Welcome to Photo Taco, the only show with photography tips you can learn in the time it takes to eat a taco. Or perhaps a burrito. Photo Taco! Hey everybody, welcome into another episode of Photo Taco on the Improved Photography Network. I'm your host, Jeff Harmon, and today I have brought on a special guest to help me answer some listener questions about lenses, my friend Brett Bergham of Brent Lenses. Brent Rents Lenses. That's not very easy to say, Brent. Dot com. Oh. Welcome to the show, Brent. Hi, and thanks for having me. All right. Well, um, as many listeners have asked for, I want to be very clear about things. This is not a paid ad for Brent's business. I asked him to come on the show because he's a frequent co-host of the Improved Photography Podcast and is going to start his own soon. Right, Brent? You and Brian are going to have a travel show soon. That's correct. We are planning on doing a travel photography podcast. And so we're working with the team at the uh, Improved Photography Network to get that thing set up and uh, very excited about how that's coming together. I'm excited for it, too. I love the podcast we have on the network, and I'm sure I will be an avid listener of that one, as I am all of them. Okay, so in the past few months, some of the listener questions have come in about lenses and specifically, we've chosen um, what, what lenses many photographers should buy, advice on how it is a photographer should decide which lens to buy. But before we do that, I want to give you a chance, Brent, to talk about or repeat the news that you shared recently on the Improved Photography podcast uh, with the Photo Taco listeners about your uh, expanding of your lineup. Thank you. Uh, we are, I am adding Nikon. Uh, to the inventory. I'm starting out with at least two lenses and I'm going to go with the latest and greatest uh, 70 to 200. And that I did a, a survey on the, uh, on the group there on Facebook and that was by far the most popular option. And then I'm also going to add the 200 to 500 Nikon uh, for those really long uh, reach items. And then uh, I do have a a special going on because maybe people know that they want to rent something in the future, but they don't have the date figured out right now. And also to kind of uh, maybe gain a little interest in the Nikon side of things, uh, I'm offering a pre-sale uh, item right now where if people buy gift cards for themselves or for other people, they can actually use a code called, uh, we'll have to put it in the show notes, it's called... Um, I can't think of it right now. <laughs> <laughs> this is so funny. It's GC promo. I was there thinking gift card, gift card, gift card. No, it's GC promo. <laughs> and if you use that at checkout for the discount code at checkout, you'll get 20% off that gift card. Uh, that discount is only good through uh, February 15. And uh, that's uh, the 16th is when I plan to put them on the website and we can start taking reservations at that time for delivery by the end of the month or the first of March, somewhere in there. So uh, it's just kind of a thing to say, you know, if, if you want to get that little extra incentive to save a few dollars, uh, that's a way you can do it because you're going to also be able to use the improved discount code when you actually place the rental. That's another 15% off. So lots of discounts for the community here at Improved Photography. All right. They get to stack up some discount codes. That's great. Yeah. All yeah. right. So this episode's going to air on uh, January 31st. So you'll have a couple of weeks there to take advantage of this opportunity and stack up those discount codes. As awesome. BrentRentsLenses.com. Okay. Let's get, let's tackle the topic now. So we've had, like I said, we have lots of requests from listeners uh, over the time. The last year, I've heard this a lot. A lot of people are really confused by lenses. <laughs> They're confused by all the numbers that are on them, all of the different 
um, acronyms or, or symbols that are written on them and have no idea what it is that, or how to, how to determine which of the many choices even that, that they should go after in, uh, in buying a lens. So we want to tackle that topic. I have a, a list of questions that I, I prepped ahead of time that we want to, I want to go through with Brent, get his expert opinion since he deals with lenses on a day-to-day basis in his business and, uh, and just kind of talk through it. So the, the questions came, the two that I picked um, I've had lots of them, but the two I picked are uh, some of our more active uh, listeners in the Facebook group, which you can join, by the way, by going to facebook.com slash groups slash photo taco. And uh, you're missing out a lot on the podcast if you're not participating in that group. So the first one came from Steve Blackett, and he said, I need to upgrade a lens. I keep looking at different lenses, Nikon, Tamron, Sigma. It's really tough to decide as every lens has reviews that points out faults. Do you have any advice on choosing lenses or maybe a podcast topic for a future episode? I shoot Nikon crop sensor and have been looking at full frame lenses. My kit zoom just doesn't get me sharp images. Anyone else have input? Well, we're going to answer your question, Stephen, just in, in the course of the questions. We'll go over that. And then the second one comes from Katherine Johnson, who said, continuing the theme on lenses, if we get a podcast on them, Jeff Harmon, could there be some mention on third party lenses? I'm considering jumping ship from Canon to Sony, as Sharky James talks a lot about Samyang lenses. I'm running into controversy on which is better, the brand or uh, that brand or Rokinon for the Sony E-mount. So I want to tackle the first question there. I'm going to do them out of order and do Catherine's first. And um, and just right off the top, answer it because that's a little bit simpler question because Samyang and Rokinon are exactly the same company. <laughs> and so so there's no difference between them. They're all that that's identical. It's a Korean manufacturer that's producing those lenses. In fact, there's a third name that their lenses go out under, and that's Bauer. So that all three names are the same manufacturer, uh, little to no difference between them in either build quality or image quality. Uh, sharpness, any of that. They're, they're all the same. The intention for the different names was kind of a marketing scheme based on where they sold the lenses in the world. They would carry a different name. Uh, I don't know that they've really stuck to it that well. As you see, both Samyang and Rokinon, at least, uh, sold in the U.S. I think Bauer, too. Bauer used to be. Uh, I don't see them listed on B&H so much anymore, but um, when I was looking these two companies up and you just look at their websites, it's interesting, at least in my opinion, Samyang's website looks so slick and Rokinon is – it's nice <laughs> and informative. It just doesn't look as slick. And it, then Bauer is – way down in out in left field somewhere i don't know what they're doing with that one yeah so it's it's a little confusing and a little strange that this one company has elected to operate that way i guess not really strange i think a lot of companies elect to do that for marketing purposes but anyway the there's no difference um practical difference for you to worry about so you kind of could look if you're if you're on amazon and you're searching for those lenses uh catherine Either one, whichever one's cheaper, maybe <laughs> go for that one, whatever they, they might have. I think they kind of leapfrog each other a little bit, too, and, and they change it out. Um, one of the things to kind of be aware of with those lenses, first off, I would categorize these in the disposable lens kind of uh, category. They're, they're, not, they're not built with tremendous build quality. They're not intended to last for, this isn't a lens that's going to last you for 20 years and, and be perfect, or even really take a beating as far as weather goes. So they're, they're just the way they're made. The emphasis is on a the inexpensive price for getting a high quality result when using a lens, not on making the lens last. So that's a big difference. That's one of the reasons that they are so inexpensive. 
and not necessarily a bad thing, uh, especially for a low budget photographer, hobbyist photographer like myself. I, I have opted for that lens. Actually, I bought one on Black Friday. So I waited for it was already inexpensive. I waited for it to be even more inexpensive in order to pick one up. And I bought the Rokinon 14 millimeter f2.8 lens on Black Friday in 2016. I've shot it a couple times just to see how it works because it's, it's different from any lens I've ever bought. But I haven't really uh, made an attempt to, to take photos with it yet because I'm intending to use it for Milky Way shots. And uh, there hasn't it's not season for that here in Utah. So there you go. Um, the these most of these lenses from Rokinon, Sam Yang, they are all manual. So that means not only manual focus, but even manual aperture. You can't control the aperture through the camera. You have to use a ring on the lens to change the aperture. So that's something very different from a lot of lenses, and something to be aware of. Anything you want to add there, Brent? So uh, one thing to think about with the Samyang Rokinon, or at least the Samyang I've been looking up, and that is they do have – they have started into the AF for two lenses. And they are both the FE mount, so that's going to be the Sony E mount. And so that's a 50 F1.4, and I think the other one is a 14 millimeter. Um, I could be wrong in that though. Um so they are getting into the AF, so those are going to be a little more expensive. Right, but right. but you're right with your 14 millimeter. Pretty much the only thing I I hear people buying those for is astro work, and that's right, right. it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's nice <laughs> wide angle f 2.8 and the image quality. So there's other lenses. I I have uh, Tokina that uh, is actually a bit of a zoom, but very wide. And the image quality I haven't been super happy with, especially on the edges. It's just unusable. I have to, what I have to do is zoom out so far, take it as wide as I can, knowing I'm going to throw away the edges <laughs> in order mm -hmm. to get a, a shot I'm even remotely happy with. So Is that the 11 to 16 you're talking yeah, about? Yeah. Uh -huh. Right. I have that lens and for basically everything except astro work, even astro is fine. It's just you got to know what you're dealing with uh, on those edges. And somehow Sam Yang has been able to hold it real tight in that 14 f2.8 and that's really nice yeah in, in a relatively inexpensive lens that's that's what yeah. the whole appeal is it, it was a yeah. way for me to get because you know it's it's a lens i will only use for that purpose that, that's right. so wide and i shoot crop so it's really really uh anyway i i i definitely didn't want to invest a lot of money in a single purpose <laughs> lens so right if it <laughs> falls apart in a couple years it's okay <laughs> all right so hopefully that helps Catherine with that question, clears that up for you. Um, if not, let us know in the Facebook group and we'll try to follow up with comments. Brent and I will watch that. Okay. Absolutely. Next question. Brent, you've obviously spent some time working out what lenses that you were going to buy. You started a business where you rent lenses out. Yes. How did you decide which ones you were going to put in your inventory? <clears throat> So to start out with, I wanted to select some lenses that uh, first off is I, I guess I view it more as a curated selection. And that is these are lenses that I would personally love to shoot. But I also thought people would also love to rent these lenses because they probably don't have them as part of their kit normally, uh, or at least some people don't like the 70 to 200. A lot of people just love that lens and they own it. That's their goal is to right, buy that right. lens. But there's so many people who don't own it. That's been one of my most popular. So, um, I've got the 70 to 200, which is really popular. And, but one thing about that lens is for me, actually, I hardly ever shoot it. <laughs> uh -huh. It's just not, uh, for my style of lens, but I know it's going to be a, a really it's just so sharp and so beautiful. But when you go down to the wide angles, you go down out to the telephotos, it's it's all about 
uh, top quality is certainly something I'm thinking about. Excellent build quality is important because I want it to last with all these people that it's um, going out to. And uh, But it just comes down to uh, then versatility. You know, I want something that's a wide enough variety that attracts a lot of different people. Uh, certainly there's other companies that have way more gear than me. I totally get that. So my other side of it is I want to approach this differently. That's why I named the company basically after myself. I want to let people know it's me. I'm available. I'm accessible. When you email, when you call, whatever the case is for communicating with me, you're getting me and you're not getting uh, someone else, at least for the time being. And I would expect that for several more years because uh, I usually do pretty good at keeping up with people. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when you were deciding it, it was, a, was it more of like a, a business decision saying, well, these are the lenses most people are interested in renting? It was, it was mostly that. Uh, I would say it was, it was balanced with also since I'm a Canon shooter, I started with Canon, uh-huh. and so certainly that's where the curation idea comes into play. There's also budget that goes into line, so when I get into the longer lenses, you know, I don't have the 400 f2.8. It's like $11,000 lens. Right, right. So uh, there's certainly other limitations that are going into that, but uh, by and large, trying to find a, a slice of lenses. So you'll find there's no kit lenses in my selection. There's no, uh, I might call kit plus, where... Uh, in the Canon side anyway, the non-L lenses, um, always definitely going for the top quality L lenses and uh, the, the equivalents if we're going outside of the Canon brand. And there's a big reason for the L. It's not only image quality, but the build quality. You, you've got to Absolutely. have these lenses hold up. They can't go out and fall apart in the hands of someone as they're renting it. Definitely. That's, you know, when I went with the, um, the Sigma 150 to 600, that's why I went with a sport model. While it's heavier than the contemporary model, it's definitely built way, way better. Uh-huh. And that thing is, it looks brand new still today. Uh, even having gone out to several people, uh, and me using it myself out at the ocean or wherever, uh, getting some wave action, it's, it does really well, holds up excellently. Okay. So how do you determine that as you're sitting in your house looking at a bunch of lenses how is someone (laughs) supposed to tell oh the build quality of this one is way better than that one so certainly there's uh what the company says about it uh one thing that i was impressed with by sigma on that sport lens uh when they were first coming out with it they published a video where certainly they're in the studio but they just you know the really dramatic lighting and dramatic sounds and all that stuff. So it kind of gets you excited, but they turned on a shower and just doused that thing with water. (laughs) Now they they didn't dunk it, but they doused it with water. And of course it was fresh water, not salt water. Yeah. Uh, but still, if you can just shower it and it still works perfectly after 30 minutes of, of being pelted by the rain, I think is what they said it was. Um, that's impressive. Uh, I think I, I hope I can believe them when they say that. <laughs> okay. But but then there's also uh, certainly things about the um, the the people that review lenses uh, more on the technical side of things than I do, or more on the uh, the build quality side of things than I do. Uh, like when I review a lens and I put a YouTube video out there, I'm usually reviewing it as a common use case scenario. You know, how does this lens fit in your kit? What do you use it for? And I tend to not get into the nitty gritty details. I would do that some, but that's not something that I don't think most people are 
super concerned about, but there's also lots of other people that do that really well. Right, right. And I'd rather take the approach of saying, you know, this is how I use it. Maybe that can be an inspiration for how you would use it too. Right. So uh, reading reviews from various locations, you know, Amazon is very popular, uh, uh, way to look at reviews. Uh, there's also B&H. I love the, the reviews that B&H has. I tend to trust those a little bit more uh-huh. because that's a dedicated store to just photography. I mean, they do video and audio too, but as far as in this, this genre of work. But we also have a fantastic resource in dpreview.com. They have a lenses tab. They call it their lens hub. I love this site. Because when I'm looking at how old is a lens, they'll tell me exactly when it was announced, when it was released. And it's wonderful information to have because I'm also looking at, say, Canon Rumors uh, to see what they're uh, suggesting, you know, new lenses may be coming out. Uh, or cameras may be coming out. Uh, Nikon Rumors is the same way. There's Pentax forums for the Pentax uh, side of things. So uh, there's just lots of different places and you got to, be able to just maybe somehow take it all in and then make the decision for you. Because I know some places that you're going to find reviews, they leave a negative review and they're like, well, but did they get a bad copy right. or do they just not know how to use the lens? Or, yeah. Yeah. Not knowing how, you know, or you took it into some massively extreme situation and yeah, it didn't, it got broken. <laughs> it just, yeah. It, <laughs> it's going to do that yeah. <laughs> sometimes. They so, are indestructible. <laughs> uh, definitely. Yeah. So, uh, doing what you can to, to just really fill yourself with that information, uh, certainly helps a lot. And that's how I also approach it. Um, I'm certainly more interested myself. I'm interested in more the, the newer lenses. Right. Uh, so I'm really interested in what's coming out next and that kind of thing. So I'm, I'm more on the cutting edge side of things, but what I'm looking at, say now I'm getting into Nikon, I'm, this is the exact process I'm going through as I assess where Nikon has been. And actually before 2003, I used to shoot Nikon, but, um, I switched in 2003, but to Canon, but, um, They've made a lot of changes in their lens lineup uh, that makes a big difference. You know, they have their, their G designations, their E designation now for their lenses, uh, AFS versus non-AFS, all these different kind of designations that I'm relearning basically as I'm looking to add more Nikon lenses. Yeah. And that makes a decision too as to exactly what camera does it work on. Right. Because some of these newer lenses aren't going to work on your older camera bodies, and that's kind of disappointing. So uh, there's that that kind of thing you need to look at and make sure you're aware of as well. Because you don't want to buy a lens and all of a sudden, well, my camera body is three years old, and all of a sudden I, this lens doesn't work. That would stink. I, I like your suggestion a lot about DP review. I, I've spent a lot of time out there myself. And the, the valuable part of it, I find, is the way that they can distill and incorporate all that really massively technical detail about yes. a lens that is really hard for an, an average photographer to understand. They're, they're going into aspects of it that you never really have to understand as a photographer. Um, Absolutely. And they, they have a good way of presenting it and distilling it down into something that is actually consumable by the average mm-hmm. photographer and, and compare them, kind of see the difference. Then you can decide, well, it, you can they have a great way even on just their site to compare lenses side by side. And you, <laughs> yep. then, then you can help make decision about is the extra expense, because uh, there could be like a massive difference in cost between those two things, yet the image quality and the actual 
the actual throughput or what the the quality of the images that go out come through the lens may be very comparable when the price points are very different. And then you might know, well, there's probably a reason for the build quality, and they may say something about that. They do reviews of the lenses too. Or you can mm -hmm. start then investigating. Like you said, go to B&H, look at the reviews there. Uh, maybe some of the other lens rental companies, they, they provide reviews. So you can assess that build quality aspect and help have that be there. I would stay away from the Amazon reviews having any sway. <laughs> Any sway yeah, at all, really. It's so tough to put faith. I think in this type of, of of product, it's so tough for me to put faith in many Amazon reviews. Some of them are probably really decent. But, you know, if it's something like I'm buying computer memory, it's does it work or doesn't it work? And that's all you need to know. But right. if you're buying a lens, there's a lot more to it. And so definitely go to these other locations that have uh, lots more detail and they do a really good job of distilling that detail. So with Steve's question here about he's being really confused by the reviews, I'm going to guess, I don't think he said in his comment there if it was Amazon or not, but I'm going to guess that um, that it was Amazon. And yeah, that's highly likely. You, get, you got people who may have got a bum lens and uh, that's unfortunate, but it happens. Uh, and, and that may be another... Well, I don't want to talk about that in this episode. I'm going to be going through uh, more detail about the the different symbols on the lenses, what they mean, the characters, mm, sure. all of that. I'm, I'm going to go through that in a, in a whole separate podcast episode. So, Good, that's needed. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's let's talk uh, briefly. So the other part of the question that I think both of them had was kind of this question about third-party lenses. Yeah. And um, is that something worth looking at? Is it something that's going to be okay? Is it not... So tell me what you think about these these third-party vendors. Like you have some big ones, Tamron, mm -hmm. Tokina, Sigma. We talked about Rokinon, Samyang. Uh, there's Zeiss. There's there's a lot of third parties that are not <coughs> Canon, are not uh, Nikon, are not Sony. Yeah. What do you think about them? Uh, how do you evaluate if that's worth doing or not? So doing what you can, uh, looking at their offering and seeing how they're portraying it, certainly seeing what other people are uh, saying about it is certainly a good thing to look at. Um, I happen to also have the benefit of putting my hands on a bunch of these because last September I found myself in Cologne, Germany at Photokina, the biggest photography trade show expo in the world. It happens every two years. And so uh, when you're able to just see that and look at it, you can literally attach your camera to them and just try it out for yourself. That's a, a bonus. Uh, most folks don't have that opportunity, but maybe you've got a camera store nearby that might have those. And so you can get your hands on them. Uh, it's, it's a good idea to get your hands on them, I think, anyway. Uh, but for my opinion on these, uh, Zeiss, possibly more because of their reputation these days than uh, anything else, uh, would be the top one uh, for quality, uh, regular image quality and build quality. Just fantastic lenses. But... Uh, Sigma with their art lenses has really been giving them a run for their money uh, in most cases. Uh, you have the added benefit of autofocus in Sigma, where Zeiss is all manual focus. And then, um, but those Sigma art lenses, they've just been really knocking it out of the park. Yeah. Uh, before the Sigma recategorize themselves with their, what they call their global vision lenses, that's their contemporary, their sport and their art lenses. Uh, you know, it was worth it to look at Sigma if you really needed to save your money. But I was just like, eh, it's, it's not for me. Um, I did it when I really started out. You know, this is like 20 years ago. But uh, now that I'm looking for that little extra quality and I, I'm really discerning about it, 
I just shied away from Sigma. Now with their global vision, absolutely, they're they're back in the game, and I really like what they're doing with their art lenses and their sport lenses. Uh, Tamron is a little bit, at least for me, uh, is a little bit of kind of out there. I'm still not exactly sure uh, where they're going because some of the lenses they've recently produced are just top-notch, and some of them are kind of like, well, you know, they're, they're really good, but... I'd still rather stick with a Canon option or I'd rather stick with an Icon option. Uh, and then Tokina is the same way for me. Uh, there's a couple in their ATX Pro uh, lenses. They have both for the the crop sensor and the and the full frame. Uh, and it's nice that they designate it very clearly with Tokina. Uh, but those are um, – they make some really good ones. But the ones that have come out more recently, like the 11 to 16, 11 to 20 – those are really good ones uh, for your all-around wide angles. But uh, I stick to Sigma and Canon slash Nikon mostly. So my own experience, I, I, I haven't actually owned a Sigma yet. Um, I want one of the Sigma arts. Uh, that would be my – the Canon stuff's just too expensive. So <laughs> I, yeah, won't, I yeah. won't ever be getting one of those probably. Uh, well, I can't say ever, but I'm a long ways away from getting that. The, right. the Sigma is – that's kind of the top of the third-party range for me. Zeiss is, like, is way out there too. There's no way I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to afford a Zeiss either. Right. But uh, so Sigma is kind of where – for a hobbyist like me, tighter budget, Sigma is the one that's the, the thing I want. Um, Tamron is more kind of where I've been able to get to. Um, they're They're slightly cheaper usually. And have really decent quality. I've been very, very happy with my twenty-four to seventy from Tamron, mm-hmm. and then uh, and then I have that wide angle from Tokina, which is in general pretty good, um, but just not enough for the Astro that I wanted. So I right. had to go get the I had to get a special lens for that. So I'd, mm-hmm. I'd kind of put them in that order: Sigma, Tamron, Tokina, myself. But you know, it's my own personal experience. It doesn't really mean that's how it is. Just <laughs> right. my perspective. And it, and it can depend on uh, exactly what you're going for. Like if you wanted a macro lens, uh, there's nothing that Sigma offers that I could recommend as a top-notch recommendation. Okay. I'd go with the Tamron. Uh, they have a 90-millimeter macro that's just beautiful uh, from what I've read. I haven't shot it yet, but from what I've read and from what other people are saying, I just it'd be great to have. It's a recent uh, offering. They've just released it recently and it uh, looks really good. Uh, Sigma, I presume, will come out with something here shortly. But if you needed to go third party, Tamron for your for your macros is where I would recommend you go. And then, of course, all of this can change based on what sales they might be having going on. All of that can be sure, different, yeah. you know. As as you go to look at them, you know, you can go ahead to DP review. I, I definitely would say kind of start there probably and get a good idea of at least the top two or three you're looking at. Then go research them further on other sites like BNH and so on, and to check out check out reviews. Make sure you get what the, the today's price is on all of them from the, the different vendors so you can uh, account for that and, and make a decision. But uh, you probably are going to be it, – it's not probably going to be a break-you moment if you pick a Tamron and the Sigma had maybe slightly better quality or whatever. It's You're, you're probably likely to have a pretty decent experience with any of those. Uh, you do get what you pay for. So there is that <laughs> you yeah. can't, you can have more chance of a, a bad lens from some of these, I think, than you would out of a Canon or an icon. There's some of those factors, the build quality. Um, <coughs> although some of those, some of these third parties are built extremely well these days. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Are there any lens brands to stay away from in your experience? 
when I saw this question, I immediately went to the Phoenix lens brand. And as I look on B&H's site anyway, there's one lens left in the inventory on B&H. And so obviously something has been going on there with Phoenix. People aren't buying their lenses anymore. Uh-huh. Um, then there's a couple that I'm just not that excited about. I mean, there's Vivitar. They've been around since, you know, forever. Uh, I just have a hard time parting ways with my money in exchange for a Vivitar lens. And then there's some other, uh, I would guess, very much Chinese knockoff style uh, that are just look on B&H. And if you don't recognize it, you're, you're probably that's one to at least for your regular stuff, stay away from. Although one of them I found they're advertising as a soft focus lens. <laughs> I was like, OK, if that's your intent, <laughs> Get shell out a couple hundred bucks for a soft focus lens, although you probably should get a lens baby if you're looking for right, that soft yeah. focus approach because you definitely know what you're getting with the lens baby. It's well documented. People love the lens baby. I've got two of them actually. So it's um, it's it, it's just you know, see see where see what other people are talking about and uh, you know, like Meyer Optic Gorlitz. I have no idea what that lens is about. <laughs> And I, I'm just, I'm just going to stay away from it. So yeah, that's, that's, that's the kind of thing I I guess I would just stay away from. And that's kind of how I've approached it too. Um, you may be able to find really, really cheap versions of some lens, but there's probably a, a big reason why it's that inexpensive. Yeah. And so if it's not one of those brands we already talked about, um, I would have a hard time saying that you should trust any of those there if you can't find it on dp review that's a bad sign um, uh, definitely <laughs> and so so i that that might be the the only advice i'd have there too I, there's a lot of stuff out there that um you, you know i can't speak to the quality of it because i've not used any of it and i i just it's worth it to spend a little bit more money and get mm-hmm. one of these more well-known third-party brands Absolutely. Okay. So <clears throat> we talked about this on the Improved Photography podcast in the past. But Photo Taco is a it's a podcast where we hope people can jump in at any point and get some help with specific things to that they want to learn about. So what about buying a used lens? What would you recommend there, Brent? Have you done that much? What what are some signs or things you'd look for? Where would you go? Tell me about used lenses. So in my inventory, everything I buy is new, but I certainly have had uh, people asking me lots about, you know, what to look for, what, what do I know that I can trust, that kind of a thing. And it definitely has something to do with, like, if you were to go to B&H or some of these other places, uh, Adorama, what have you, where they offer some used gear, I'm pretty sure you could trust their rating system because they're going to have a fairly detailed rating system. Right. And they'll rate it like 9 plus, 8 plus, whatever the case is. Or if you go to some place like uh, KEH, that's a place, I think they're in Georgia, um, they have a different rating like bargain, like new and whatever. And so that's definitely a, a good way to go about it. If you're on eBay – uh, and you, you're looking to buy there, uh, you're going to have to rely on their feedback. Uh, so hopefully they've got some history yeah. and they've got good photographs and they're willing to tell you what the, um, the serial number is so you can maybe do a quick search and see if it's stolen. Uh, lens tag, I think is, uh, the website that people can use to, to put, 
uh, to register their gear. And then if they can, re- if they registered as stolen, you know, you can, it'll turn up right away. You just do a quick uh, serial number search. So I would get a little more concerned about these things when you go to, um, eBay. The the last thing I would get concerned about if you're on eBay and some of the other places that aren't, say, B&H or super reputable, and that is what if it's a gray market lens and something happens and you take it to <clears throat> Canon or Sigma or whomever to be uh, serviced and they're going to tell you sometimes anyway, they're going to tell you we can't service it because that's not a lens that was originally distributed in the in your country, in this case the U.S. for us, but that's not a lens that was originally distributed here, and so we don't recognize it as being a, you know legally here or whatever their, their reasoning is. Uh, so then you'd have to take it to a, a third-party camera shop or whatever to get it fixed. So that'd be the other thing to worry about when you're on eBay and other places. And is there some way to personal. tell if it's gray market? There... Sometimes is with the um, with the serial number, but you'd have to really dig and and figure out how can I tell. And I would imagine it'll be different for each for each um, for each manufacturer. Right. But an- another giveaway is if um, if they say it comes in a white box, it's definitely gray market <laughs> okay. because. All they're doing is they're taking the box off the shelf in the factory and they're not putting it with the the other uh, accessories that come with that lens and they're just selling you the lens only. Uh, oftentimes, though, you know, you can just ask for the, the warranty card. If the people save the if they save the the box and everything that was in the box like I do, when I sell a lens and I'm ready to do it, the people get everything that was right. in, originally in that box. And so if they have the warranty card and they can post that, you instantly know that it's uh, intended for distribution in your country and you're not going to have problems getting it serviced. What about if it's uh, classified ads, you're going to meet them in person? What would you recommend going through to kind of check out the lens? What should a photographer look for? You definitely want to look first at the... Um, I guess possibly where they want to meet you, uh, public, <laughs> right. lo- public location, make, make sure you're, you're feeling safe. Maybe take a friend along. Right. Um, and then as far as the gear itself, uh, I would look for first off the glass elements, uh, take off that lens cap, both sides. Is there first off, is there dust on the inside of the elements? Because a lot of lenses like the, uh, the first version of the, the Canon 100 to 400 breathes so heavily that you easily get dust coming inside if if you're not careful and, and you're shooting in a dusty location. Um, and so you want to make sure you don't get you don't have a whole lot of dust on the interior lens elements. But then also micro scratches, uh, even if they're out way out to the edge, I would get concerned about because if you're if you're going to have a backlit subject, those are going to show up like crazy. And you know if they didn't disclose those items to you beforehand. Instantly, you know, red flags should go off, I would think. Yeah. yeah. Uh, cosmetic things like, you know, the, is the lens barrel scratched or whatever, as long as it doesn't affect the smoothness of the focus or zoom ring, and as long as it doesn't affect the performance of the lens otherwise, I get less concerned about that, but it just depends on how pretty of a lens you want. Mm-hmm. So, w- would you bring along your camera body, attach it to it, take Absolutely. some shots there? You betcha. Maybe do some uh, uh, near focus to far focus transitions, see how that goes. Yeah, see see how fast it's focusing, see if it's focusing accurately, see if uh, it even just communicates because a lot of times it could just be the contacts that are dirty, but maybe there's some other problem with the lens. You want to do what you can to to 
slap it on your camera. Maybe if you got two bodies, put it on both of them and make sure that it's it's working well with both. Mm-hmm. Okay, I think that's that's great advice there. Um, all right, the last question that I had for you was, uh, what's your view on buying lenses made? for full frame and using them on crop sensor bodies. I saw this question just recently in our Facebook group. So what do you think about that? I think oftentimes I have to be careful here, but I think oftentimes people get too bent out of shape over this idea. Uh, and that is, uh, because we, we referenced, uh, we, we referenced a, a video from, um, Tony Northrup, uh, on this whole idea and how you know the lenses were sharper for the crop sensor body if they were made for you know if they were a dx lens and i kind of look at that and i say of course it's sharper uh in that one sense of how you're measuring it uh, but there's lots of other things to take into consideration and i'd rather have people look at the whole spectrum of of it and what i really mean by that is is there any chance you're going to go to full frame Right. Do you really have that desire? Because if you do, don't, in my opinion, again, it's just me. My opinion is don't worry about putting a full frame body on your crop sensor lens. And then you're going to be like, oh, it's just, but it's not as sharp. Um, it's just as sharp. That lens is just as sharp on that body as it is on my body, on my 5D Mark IV. So it's going to render the best it can. And as long as you're having good quality uh, glass in front of your sensor, I think you're going to be happy with it. One thing I do love about it is, like you mentioned uh, with that 11 to 16, you know, the edges, you just have to crop it out. Well, when you have a full frame uh, lens and you just have to crop out the edges, that's what you're doing when you put it on a crop sensor body. Yep. And so you're getting rid of the junk spots anyway. So as long as it's wide enough, if that's your goal, if you need wide, if you need telephoto, whatever, uh, go ahead and do that and, uh, and see what, see how that works for you. Uh, so I think it's just fine. My opinion is it's just fine to put full frame on a crop sensor. Uh, in my inventory, I have one lens that's a crop sensor lens. Uh, and I have plenty of people that are putting the full frame, the full frame uh, lenses on their crop sensor bodies and just loving it, especially that Canon 50 F1 II. Sweet, sweet lens. Uh, when you put it on a crop frame, it's roughly in the 75, 80 some millimeter yep. uh, equivalency. Just beautiful for portraits. And it's, it's delightful. So uh, I don't see a problem with it myself. Certainly there's some technical issues that I want people to be aware of. Sometimes it's definitely going to be sharper if you have that lens that's made for the for the crop sensor, and you should be aware of it, and you should be able to make the the best decision for you. But Good. don't take that only to all. That's don't let that be the only thing you take to the bank, so to speak. Right. So, and and I think that that's the the most valid point of it to me. If you ever think there's a chance you may go to full frame at some point, you need the lenses to make that transition. And, uh, so I, at least me as a hobbyist, I'm, I'm doing crop. I'm not sure I'm ever going to change myself actually. Sure. Uh, it's working very, very well for me. I like it. It's a hobby. I don't know that I care about spending a lot more money on a bigger, heavier camera to drag mm-hmm. around. Um, so, but, but as I buy lenses, because I know there may be a day when I do it, I don't want to be caught in a, a situation where all I have are lenses that go on the crop and I don't have anything going on the full frame and I've got to right. like sell everything and try to, to, to worry about that. 
So mm-hmm. I've personally, every lens I've bought um, in the last couple of years has been a lens that will work on full frame. And uh, it's working great. I, I like it a lot. So uh, that, that's my personal recommendation too for the, any of the hobbyists that are out there. Um, you're going to have to decide for yourself if you think there's ever a chance or like you said, that might get just a tiny bit more sharpness. But I honestly, I'm not sure I'd even be able to tell. <laughs> mm-hmm. You might be well, able to pixel beep and and uh, <clears throat> have some extreme situation of, of some sort where you can see a difference. And I, I love Tony Northrup, so I, I'm sure that yeah. there's you know a, there's some cases where that is true. I just don't think that uh, that it's it's going to apply so often that it would be an obvious and very important thing. Right. And one other th- one other characteristic of lenses is, uh, especially when you're wide open, uh, wide angle and wide open, but it also happens with telephotos, uh, but the vignetting aspect of the sure, lens. Right. When, when you're wide open, it just naturally vignettes at the, on the edges. And when you're cropping in, you're vastly reducing that vignetting and you can shoot wide open and hardly have any vignetting. Uh, which reduces your uh, post-production. So it's actually kind of, I would see it more of a, potentially more of a benefit uh, for running a full frame on a crop sensor body. And now with with the way I've done it over the last several years, now that I own a few lenses that can go on full frame, then if I ever had a need, some out of the world thing, I don't know, I don't shoot weddings, but somehow I got convinced that I should shoot a wedding which wasn't going to happen. But if I did, <laughs> then, I and, and I need it, I was like, oh boy, I'm going to need the full frame for the, the low light. The crop's just not going to work for this. Sure. I could rent the full frame, not have to Absolutely. rent a whole bunch of lenses too. And I have my lenses I can go use on it. So it just puts me in a better position, I think, for my own my own personal use and, and how I'm, I'm approaching my own photography. But you're going to yep. have to make your own choices, people. You're going to have to yep. you know, go decide for yourself. So hopefully we've armed our listeners with some of the information they need to be able to make that decision. Um, Make sure that you go look at uh, another thing I guess we didn't talk about yet was renting is a great way to figure this out. Uh, If you can't decide, rent them. Get it to your top two or three and go rent them. And Brent's got some that you can take a look at. If he doesn't have them, there's plenty of sites out there that that, uh, have decent deals. It's not all that expensive, especially when you consider you're about to lay down quite a bit of money for the lens overall might be worth it to try it out go go check out the lens you betcha all right that's it for this episode i hope you all enjoyed it as a quick reminder you can suggest topics for the show through facebook uh facebook.com slash group slash photo taco you can go through uh, instagram messaging at photo taco podcast or email where the address is photo taco podcast at gmail gmail.com no question too basic or too complicated for the show. I brought on Brent to uh, be an expert witness in this episode today, and I'll do yes. it in the future if uh, if we need that based on your questions. Also, check out the other podcasts on the Improved Photography Network. We have Portrait Session, Tripod, Improved Photography, and a soon-to-come-out travel show that we don't have named yet. We're, we're working on it. <laughs> also takes we're some working time on it. to head over to the mothership that makes all of this possible. None of the Improved yeah, Photography Network would even exist if it wasn't for ImprovedPhotography.com. Head over there every single day or you're going to miss out on a lot of great news articles, gear articles, photo tips. It's the best way to improve your photography. And thank you, Brent, for joining me today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Views expressed on this program by independent host guests and callers do not necessarily reflect their views of improved photography LLC or its advertisers. Some links mentioned on this program are affiliate links where a commission is earned. Olay!